Welcome to the You're Not Alone podcast, where freedom, health, and wholeness is our mission. In each episode, we will expose the lie that you are alone in your struggles and your pain. We share truth through our stories using the power of vulnerability and honesty, empowering you to live the life you are destined to live. Well, welcome back to You're Not Alone. I am your host, Chris. And I'm Jamie. And I'm Caleb. And we have we, we have a full table today. We yeah. do. We have we got all four mics set up, all four mics being used, mm. and our good buddy Austin <laughs> is here. Yes. And uh, Austin has a phenomenal story that we're going to get to in just a second. But we met Austin about a year ago. He was part of our uh, revival group that yep. we we're in. And uh, he kind of came in a little bit like the rest of us, kind of dragging in and uh, needing some healing and some stuff like that. And, uh, you know, we kind of got to watch the transformation. I mean, literally, like the transformation that Austin went through was one that that was on the inside, but you could literally see the transformation on the outside yeah. with him and just the way that the Lord was working him. Even the way you interacted with people <laughs> was was amazing. Yeah. And uh, so I think Austin has um, just an amazing story of redemption and healing and just seeing what the power of the gospel, what the power of Jesus can do when we submit to him. And it wasn't easy, was it? Absolutely not. Yeah. Not at all. There was a couple times, I remember Caleb and I going, like, especially Christmas, we're like going, is Austin coming back? But <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. which, which you made it back. He's back. And he's back, and he's in the second year of the same program that we're all in. And uh, um, so... Just tell us a little bit. Yeah. Like, I've heard part of your story, but maybe just unpack, like, maybe where you're from, like, where did it start? Give us a little general yeah. start to your story. Well, I was born in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Um, I was born... I'm a pastor's kid. You <laughs> so, are. Yeah. So, my whole family was in, is, is involved in ministry still to this day. And so, I grew up knowing the Lord and everything. And, um, yeah, it was... Uh, Santa Fe is beautiful. Wow. It's just hard there. Is it? <laughs> yeah. I've yeah, never been sure. there. So Austin, you were you grew up in a, in a Christian household. Mm-hmm. You grew up as a, as in a kind of a pastor's family. Explain that. What was it like growing up? It was very good. I really enjoyed it. Um a lot of the times I felt like I was in royalty just being into a church because wow. everyone respects <laughs> like the family. Wow. So it kind of gave me, I took up a lot of pride in it, honestly. I don't know if that's good or bad in being like a pastor's kid in the church. You're special. I had three of them, and <laughs> yes. they were very special. Sometimes they took some liberties maybe they should have. Right. Well, our, ki- our kids loved being pastors. Yeah, kids. they did. So I want you to talk a little bit more about about growing up. Um, well, my parents got divorced when I was two, and... Um, it was it was a very violent divorce. It mm-hmm. was very hard for I think all of the siblings, for my brother and my sister, and um, for me, just being at a super young age when that happened, I don't remember much, but I remember a lot of the traumatic things from the divorce. You know, there's just some very violent, you know, not so good things that shouldn't have happened to a two year old kid, because mm-hmm. I think that just really affected the way that growing up. You know, I've always had these memories of like this divorce. So that was just very traumatic, but it didn't hit me until I was like 
you know, later on in my preteen years Mm -hmm. that like my parents are actually divorced. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, going back and forth each week to my parents, that was, I thought normal because that's all I knew. Like, I don't remember ever my mom and my dad in the same household. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just remember my mom's house, my dad's house. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah and that's, that's kind of how it was for, yeah. for me is that, that, you know, you, you just think everybody's parents are mm-hmm. divorced and, you know, having these two different mm-hmm. separate places to live and separate lives. And so, and it's hard as a young kid because it's, it's hard to have that consistency. Oh, yeah. Were you close with your parents? Growing up, I was a daddy's boy. Really? I, me and my dad were close. One of my earliest memories, if not the earliest, is me uh, sitting in the garage with my dad while he was working. Mm-hmm. And I was playing on my little toys, pretending I was working with him. Aww. Like, that's like my <laughs> earliest memory in life. That's wow. cool. And so did you stay close with your dad? Um, after the divorce, it was very, my dad took it very hard. And uh, my dad isn't a very emotional person he doesn't mm-hmm. like to share his emotions very much and um for me i'm very sensitive yeah mm-hmm. so growing up i really needed love and i really needed a lot of cuddles and you know just somebody to always tell me they love me mm-hmm. and at that time my dad just wasn't in the right place to fully give that to me mm-hmm. i know he tried yeah but you know, me being young, it's not what I really needed to thrive yeah, in sure. just like just a stressful situation. Yeah. Um, I was honestly really, cl- I've been close with my mom my whole life. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. My mom's my best friend. Wow. <laughs> she's amazing. Yeah. She's just always been there for me. And she's just, yeah, she's just the best mother. So wow. do you think that this was something like, did your dad just, was he just in a place where he just didn't really know how to have the yeah. interaction? Did he have that growing up? Do you think? Oh he, yeah, for sure. So My dad was grown up. T- he was the only uh, son. Oh, he had okay. three sisters. Wow. So his dad always pushed that on him. I think to be, you had to be the man You're of the, the house man, yeah. mm-hmm. and everything. And uh, with me, um, I have a brother and we have a sister. Mm-hmm. So I think with us, he's like, you need to be the protector of your sister. You need to be the man of the household. You know, all of this, all of this. And um, yeah, it was kind of pushed on me and my brother, I think. Mm-hmm. And I was also the youngest. So, you know, it was kind of difficult to have that pushed on us at a young age. Um, For sure. Because, yeah, it's like it's interesting when people go through such traumatic things, like even mm-hmm. a divorce. And it's like it's a lot of times. Yeah. When we feel that we need to be mm-hmm. responsible to be strong yeah. and mm-hmm. to be the one. Yeah. It's like you said, to be you got to be the man. Because that was your story. growing Yeah. Up, I mean, like- I, I was like the second um, sibling mm-hmm. in line, but I was the oldest daughter. And I, I learned at a very early age to take over responsibility yeah. in the household. And so it's like, yeah, you almost, it's like you have to shut mm-hmm. down emotions yeah. and yeah. And, but you had, you had real needs as a child Yeah, and your dad probably just didn't have the capacity to give that to you mm-hmm. in the moment because mm-hmm. of what he'd been through as well. But it mm-hmm. doesn't diminish that you did truly have a need for that. Oh Yeah. Yeah. And there was just also just other needs that I actually needed. I was sick as a baby. Mm-hmm. And so when I had to like go to sleep, I couldn't breathe. I needed a humidifier. Wow. And uh, my dad didn't know how to parent that. Yeah. You know, so it was mostly my sister who, uh, my older sister who took care of that for me. Mm-hmm. You know, she was the mom when we were at my dad's. Wow. For sure. Hmm. 
Wow, wow, wow. I think that's, even the Bible says God hates divorce because divorce doesn't just yeah. affect the two people getting divorced. For sure. Mm-hmm. It affects a lot of people, not just physically, emotionally. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it has a, a very damaging ripple mm-hmm. effect on people. So your relationship with, with your dad was younger than the divorce happened. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about how it was later on growing up with your dad. Um, you know, that dark place my dad was in from the divorce, it just really hurt him. Mm-hmm. Honestly, he was just really, really hurt. And um, I think growing up, I didn't understand that. And also, I don't think he understood the place I was in, mm-hmm. you know, because when I got into school, like elementary, that's when I really started seeing that divorce isn't a normal thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw everybody's families, like both mom and dad dropping their kids off. Yeah. And like, it was always my mom or my dad. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was confused, I think. And then just also me and my dad would kind of argue a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but I just think I held a lot of things against my dad. Mm. You know, and I'm not on still to this day. I just don't know what exactly it was, but I just remember how mad I was sure. and I was just very angry. Yeah. And, um, you know, with my mom, it was the total opposite. Like I just was just always so loving towards her. I was just always wanting her love and more of her love. And, you know, she just was the greatest comforter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in my life that I needed. And so when I would go to my dad's and it wasn't, you know, cuddlies and, you know, just, you know, just a lot of family time, mm-hmm. that's what it was like. You know, and I think that's something that is changing um, with with my generation, you know, is where a lot of times we didn't receive that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the good things that's happening now is where, you know, men are kind of being taught that, hey, it's not just the John Wayne cowboy version of the man, yeah. mm-hmm. that there really is this sensitive side that we do need to embrace because that is so important for the formation of identity mm-hmm. growing up for men to have other men mm-hmm. pouring into them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really kind of that's one of the epidemics of the fatherless um, generation that we do have going up where men are, are, you know, disengaging from the family is that it's creating all these things where the moms generally stay. That's kind of part of that nature. And then, yeah, because women have that nurturing aspect. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to say that all women are no. super nurturing. I'm just saying like, I think that it is a God given um, gift uh, that that women naturally tend to carry, mm-hmm. and I think that yeah, a test of a good, rela- healthy relationship is connection. And like mm-hmm. you said, if something is strained or if someone doesn't know how to connect, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it's understandable how something would break down, yeah. and you know there would be confusion and anger and hurt and all those things. And that's exactly what it was. Like my dad was super into John Wayne, West mm-hmm. old westerns. <laughs> cars and you know musically drums and he Mm -hmm. wanted me and my brother to play drums so bad but i was just always the more creative one in the family and more of the singer you know Mm -hmm. i always Mm -hmm. loved to sing since i learned how to talk and um yeah i just never got the memo of cars (laughs) and memo of old westerns and yeah you know drums you know that's okay that wasn't who you were exactly Yeah, and a lot of times, especially if a dad doesn't come in, and especially when a boy, 
Like for me, like I grew up in, well, we moved around a lot, but we finally settled in Montana in a very small logging community where it was all about hunting, mm-hmm. fishing. And if you did, if you weren't a hunter, if you weren't doing all this outdoor manly stuff, it's like you were kind of ostracized and, and picked on. Yeah. And it's easy. Like for me, it's like I started to, to like, I'm not a big hunter. Like mm-hmm. I don't really like killing things. Um, it's just, it's I just not something I'm real passionate about. You really? like to eat them, but. Oh, I love, yeah. I love, love, Someone love, else love. can mm-hmm. hunt them. Yeah. Let somebody else hunt them and drag them and clean them and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. I like, I don't like having my hands dirty. But you know, when you're in that culture, you could start to get picked on. You could start mm-hmm. to get bullied. And if you don't have a good, um, um, idea of who you are from mom mm-hmm. and dad yeah. you know that's where that confusion could yeah. kind of start to pop up yeah definitely yeah and i, I think um because i, I kind of had the same issue with my dad too where it's like there was one point he was forcing me to play soccer and i, I hate sports mm-hmm. that's just me uh, and that kind of kind of worked against me where I was like, why is he wanting me to play sport? <laughs> is there something wrong with me and everything? So, yeah, uh, yeah, that I think it's also the danger of like passing a cycle because he didn't know better because right. that's why he, he was taught. And then he just kept passing the, pa- passing mm-hmm. the cycle uh, sure. around and that's just more damaging. Yeah. Than yeah. just bringing instead of uh, doing something good, so yeah. especially when you do like as a dad, like you want you want your your kids to there's there's part of you that wants your kids to follow in your footsteps, mm-hmm. right? And that's the thing for parents. I mean, we can speak from our example. Yeah. It is yeah. a temptation that you almost want the same things that you loved or mm-hmm. that you enjoyed mm-hmm. as a young one. Or some parents live vicariously through their kids, like yeah. oh, I always wanted to be the football star or yeah. whatever, and that's what you need to be junior or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And, that's exactly right. My dad was a football player uh-huh. in his school. You know, he had, he was very popular. He had all mm-hmm. the girls, you know, he was just had the best car, you know. And for me, my brother was played football. Mm. And so I think he kind of expected me to play football. And yeah, I was just not into yeah, it. That's a hard <laughs> standard to live up yeah. to, especially yeah. when that's not in your heart. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or yeah. if you do do it. But it's not, it's not like this passionate thing. Mm-hmm. You kind of halfway do it or, you know, and you could, people could kind of tell them, they're like, well, what's the matter with you and all this stuff. And there's just all this pressure yeah. to, to do things. Even sometimes you're good at these things. Yeah. Like I remember, I, and I was fairly decent at playing football. And I remember just one day I was, it was my sophomore year and I'm in practice and all of a sudden this light went off in my head. Like you hate this. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like this. And <laughs> I was in wrestling as a kid. Yeah. And, uh, I, that my dad really liked me to wrestle, yeah. you know, he liked me to be tough and, uh, I was good at wrestling and, you know, I was one of like the best wrestlers on the team, mm-hmm. but I remember if I would lose a match, how discouraged I would get oh. just that, you know, I couldn't do this one thing to make like, you know, me and my dad could really relate to something mm. yeah. that we both kind of enjoyed. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I just remember when I would lose, I would just get so discouraged because that one thing is like I failed at, mm. yeah. but you know that wasn't the truth. But that's what I believed. Yeah, I think that's where it's important for parents is yeah. like you know find what your kids are passionate about, mm-hmm. and even if you suck at it, do it with them. Yeah, you know, just find something. You know, find yeah. that common ground because it really is more about yeah. that that spending time with them, and and building that and mm-hmm. encouraging them and coaching them in that instead of just being busy for busy's sake yeah. or you know. Yeah. And it wasn't that my dad wasn't trying. My dad tried yeah. really hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my dad made a lot of sacrifices of himself to make 
me and my siblings' lives amazing, you know? And um, I really, like, grew, like looking down on it now, I just, like, really appreciate everything he's done. Yeah. And um, But just at that time, that's just not what I was needing as mm-hmm. a child. Mm-hmm. You know, I was really just needing, you know, just my dad's comfort, you know? I wanted to have that male figure comfort in my life. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge part as adults of our healing journey Mm -hmm. is to, you know, not to revisit things just to rehash the pain, but to to recognize what you truly did need in those moments. It's, you know, because obviously that need needed to be met by God ultimately, you know, and to discover who he was for us in those moments. But but also it's a part of our healing journey for the fact of who God wants us to be, you know, because it's it's an opportunity to recognize that and you know who who God created us to be, what what you know other people around us need from us, you know. So that's beautiful that you can see Mm -hmm. the the good and the bad within it, Mm -hmm. you know. So how did all of that affect your identity? Um, it was hard growing up wanting my, a father's love, you know, but to an extent where it met my needs. So growing up in school and stuff, you know, like I said, I wasn't the most manly kid in school. You know, I like drawing, I like singing, you know, but I would get kind of picked on sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, just by the way that I would talk or, you know, the way I would draw, you know, just random things. And I was young, like in elementary school. And I remember, you know, some people, like some kids would make fun of me and be like, oh, like, why do you talk like that? Hmm. Like, why do you dress like that? Why do you draw like that? You know, just things that would kind of pick me apart from every other boy. There was things in life that would make me feel more feminine than masculine. Hmm. And, um, you know, at the time, I didn't know what homosexuality was I didn't know what you know what masculine meant like I didn't know what you know the definition that described masculine I was just being myself Mm -hmm. you know and it was different I knew that I was dealing with something I just didn't know what it was sure you know so with my dad um it was hard for me to meet that needs you know with my dad because I was dealing with you know, just who am I? I, was, I didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know what I liked. You know, so that was just very hard growing up. And that's something I dealt with, honestly, through high school. Wow. You know, just wow. people picking me apart, saying that I was something that I, I knew I wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, and at the time, I, of course, seven years old, I wasn't going to turn to God and be like, Lord, this is what am I? You know, mm-hmm. I didn't know. Yeah. I think that's one of the dangers of culture. I think mm-hmm. we they kind of we tend to kind of box stuff, and where we're like, okay, this is the box of what masculinity looks like, yeah. yeah, and this is what you know being feminine looks like. When in fact, you were just expressing you who you are, mm-hmm. right? You know, and we we make it so dangerous for people who are outside the box to express themselves. Yeah. Because if they do, we put a stigma on them. Yeah. And how easily people will label. Mm -hmm. Like I see these characteristics or the way you do this or that, Mm -hmm. and you must be this. Mm -hmm. And just the power of our words. Like we've got to be so careful with our words. Cause Mm -hmm. that definitely, when you hear those words over and over again, you're like, Oh, maybe I am. Mm -hmm. Or, 
you know. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think back to, you know, one of my friends, the, the good friend of mine, that he was a graphic designer and really phenomenal graphic designer. And uh, it's Christmas time in one of our churches and he's decorating the tree. I mean, this tree looked like something out of a magazine. I mean, it was even, even I'm not that, I walk by, I'm like, dude, that looks good. And he's, <laughs> and he's kind of going back and forth and he goes, he goes, Man, I love this. And then he, he goes, had such a gift for creative yeah. design. Yeah. And he looks at me and goes, Does that make me gay? I'm like, No. This, <laughs> you this, have a gift, <laughs> dude. This makes you really mm-hmm. good at what you do. And he had a wife and you know, and kids and stuff like that. But yeah, it's easy but to label. But our culture, yeah, yeah. will easily say, Oh, you you do that, so mm-hmm. you must be this. Yeah. Um with the confusion that I was having, I was definitely had like male attraction, mm-hmm. but also I had a female attraction mm-hmm. and I knew that I was going to marry a woman one day. Like, I always knew that. And I wanted kids. You know, I'm very family-oriented. Absolutely. Like, like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's probably one of my core things about me is that I love my family. And I thrive to have a family one day. And I knew that same-sex attraction was wrong Mm -hmm. um, from growing up in a pastoral family. Mm -hmm. I just knew it was wrong. And um, I was scared of the fact that, like, I was dealing with that Mm -hmm. and I was embarrassed, you know, coming from a pastor's family that what they would say, how they would react that, you know, I was dealing with same sex attraction, but I never openly shared that I was, you know, going through that. I just hoped one day it would go away randomly, Mm -hmm. that it was just a phase. But, you know, growing up in life, I dealt with that, you know, pretty much through elementary school, middle school. Um, a big turning point in my life was definitely when I was 11. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my 12th birthday party, but, you know, we were celebrating early. And um, my mom took me and my best friend at the time swimming. And, uh, you know, a pool that we've never really went to. It was kind of more of a sports pool than it was like a ch- child-friendly pool. Hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was just a birthday party. We didn't think nothing of it. It was just me, one other friend, mm-hmm. and my mom and my little brother. And... Um, when we were there, there was a man who just kept watching us, stalking us that we didn't know of. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't realize anything. And you saw this later, like in footage? Yeah, or? we saw this in court. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, we just saw how much this man was oddly attracted to, you know, a 12 and 11-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, um, yeah, we like I said, we didn't know. <laughs> and so... Uh, you know, we swam, we did our thing. And, you know, later my mom was like, let's go get some food, you know, let's just drop your friend off and then Mm -hmm. we'll go home. So, uh, you know, we went into the locker room, we were going to shower real quick, change, and Mm -hmm. then go get some food, you know, just very innocent. And, um, when we were there, uh, there was only two showers at the time and they were closed, but you can walk both. You can, they were open showers, but, you know, mm-hmm. very private. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there was an older gentleman in one of the showers. And my friend, you know, me and my friend were just very, you go in like, I don't want you to see me naked. You know, uh-huh. we were just very, you know, stuff <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, little kids. Come <laughs> yeah. on. So, you know, my friend went in there and stuff. And uh, when he came out, I just remember seeing him white as a ghost. Wow. And, you know, he was naked to the core. You know, like I couldn't. We've never like experienced stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, he said, you know, just this just kind of says how innocent we actually were. Mm-hmm. He's like, that man in there is gay, wow. and I was like, why? He was like, oh, he touched me, and he wow. was just kind of like, it was a moment where 
part of me was like, no. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just didn't believe him. You know, that whole day we were joking with each other. Mm-hmm. Like, we went ding-dong ditching before we mm-hmm. went to the pool. That's where you knock on a door and run and off. Run and run off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you thought so, your friend was just joking So I was around. like, yeah. So, you know, I just thought it was not true. And so, uh, you know, I went in there, you know, after he got out. And uh, I just remember as soon as I got in there, how dark that shower became. Hmm. You know, uh, that day, like a man like entered my stall and, you know, was just doing very things that, you know, touching himself and making comments to me and making comments about himself. And, Hmm. you know, it was just very dark things that Hmm. and at an 11 year old mind, I couldn't. I didn't know what to do. You had yeah. no frame of reference at 11 I, for I what's had going nothing. on. You know what I mean? And this man was tall. <laughs> he was like six, nine. And wow. I've always been short, especially at 11. I was a wow. short little kid. So it's like, I couldn't yeah. fight him off. I couldn't do anything. Mm. I couldn't scream, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, that day, like he molested me. Wow. And, um, I just remember as soon as it happened, I got in a corner and I was just completely in this place of, shock you know Mm -hmm. i just remember how disgusted i felt Mm -hmm. and how taken advantage of i felt and um you know that day my friend witnessed you know me getting assaulted and he went and told my mom who was in the lobby Mm -hmm. and um you know i don't i you see i don't know how long i was even in that shower Mm -hmm. you know i was just in so much shock i don't remember if it was five minutes 20 minutes you know it was I just remember how it felt like it was years and years. It felt like eternity in there. And uh, I just remember I put on wet swimming trunks. I put on an oversized hoodie and I ran out of there. Wow. You know, and uh, I remember the first person I saw when I got out of that locker room was my mom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just how I said, my mom's always been there for me. It's like my mom was there. Wow. So um, that was hard you know she asked me if anything happened and me i just wanted to get out of there Mm -hmm. and i was like no nothing happened nothing happened and uh i told her like you know yes something happened like i was he touched me and you know that day was just the start to years and years of just mental abuse you know i think for myself and also just with victims guilt that i had um you know, that day, uh, the cops were called, the man got arrested for one day. <laughs> and, um, so they came right to the pool and uh, arrest. So they didn't let him leave. No, they, it was a whole thing. You know, there were security guards, lifeguards everywhere. Uh, cops came. They, I don't remember if they even asked me questions that day, wow. but you know, they took him. And, uh, when I got home that night, I remember I had some food in front of me and I just did not want to eat. Like, I just remember how gross I felt, like the thought of touching food. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just disgusted with myself, Mm -hmm. you know, just as like what was like real. I've seen this stuff on the news and stuff. And it's like, wow, like I'm actually a victim of this, you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that was on a Friday Mm -hmm. on a I'm sorry, on a Saturday on that Monday is when, you know, I went to a safe house interview and you know they asked me questions all about what happened and that was these courts things were the hardest to get justice like it was 
you know, that happened when I was 11, about mm-hmm. to turn 12, and it ended when I was 17. Oh, my wow. goodness. You know, just all of the court stuff. See, I think it's important to note, because there's a lot of times, like, if you haven't dealt with people yeah. that have been, that have walked through something traumatic, mm-hmm. especially something traumatic sexually, like, you'll hear about rape victims, yep. molestation victims yeah. that don't report. And part of that is because of how hard it is yeah. to repeat the story over and over exactly. and over again. So you had to continue. Like, it didn't just happen to you once. It oh, happened yeah. to you because you're having to relive this thing. Mm-hmm. Retell your story. Over and over and over oh, again. Gosh. And that's exactly right. Like, that was the hardest part. Like, I could not move on from my life. Because, wow. you know, as soon as I was get to a point where I was good the next week it would be brought up again. You know what I mean? So it's like, it was so hard. Even, you know, court after court after court, meaning with attorneys, meaning with, you know, lawyers and, you know, just people that were there to help me. You know, Mm -hmm. it was hard. And then even going to school, Mm -hmm. like we'd had to tell the principal and my teachers, like my mom would have to say, hey, he's going to miss a certain amount of days because we have the court. You know what I mean? It was just brought up everywhere I went. And um, I got, I just got very, a low point in my life. I think I, sh- I struggled with a lot of depression mm-hmm. and victim's guilt. Um, I was anorexic. You know, I hated the way I looked. Uh, and then, like, you know, as, as far as identity goes, that didn't help the situation that I was going through before. Yeah. It made it 10 times worse that, you know, I was already struggling with the same sex attraction. And mm-hmm. then a man of the same sex came and assaulted me. Right. You know, wow. that just screws with your head. I bet. And um, let's back up for one second. Yeah. So, you know, talking about the anorexia, what did that look like? Because you, you don't hear a lot of guys, <laughs> yeah. you know, one, I think a lot of guys really do suffer with the body image issues. But um, don't talk about And it. don't ever yeah. talk about that. Um, Was it not eating? Was it the working out? Because guys oh, sometimes yeah, yeah. will, instead of not eating, they'll go to the other extreme of just working out yeah. constantly. Yeah. Right. So what was what did yours look like? So, like I said, I wasn't into what most guys were into. Yeah. You know, I wasn't into working out. Yeah. And so the thing with me is that I just didn't eat. Mm. And if I did eat, it would be like the military diet. Wow. Like a piece of bread, an egg. Mm ice with salt like that was big wow and it i don't know i honestly just think i was in such a dark place Mm because i still don't know why i did that like you know looking back on pictures like i didn't look healthy like i didn't look good Mm. you know and it just became a challenge for me to see how skinny i could actually get Wow. wow and you know i remember i would start by putting my fingers around my wrist and seeing how much space in between my fingers and my wrist I can get. And, uh, you know, I didn't think I was fat, but I didn't think I was skinny. Mm. So it just kept going on and on and on. And I didn't realize I was so skinny if it wasn't for my dad's dad, my grandpa. Mm -hmm. He told me, and he was like, you look skinny, bud. (laughs) And I was like, I do, (laughs) you know? And, um, Again, like, I just wasn't really close in the word. I wasn't close with God. I worshipped God, and I was on the worship team. Mm -hmm. But I just, you know, I just wasn't taking it serious. Mm -hmm. So so when your grandpa told you that, that, hey, you look skinny, but that changed something inside of you? It didn't change it. It just made me realize, honestly, it gave me, like, it got me happy. 
Oh. Wow. To know that like, oh, someone recognizes. Oh, wow. wow. So I think what changed me is that I realized I wasn't looking to be skinny. I was looking for attention, uh. you know, just because as if tension rather... I wanted someone to see me as how I am, mm-hmm. not as a victim of sexual assault. Wow. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's powerful. Wow. So th- so now you're having to retell your story over oh, yeah. and over again. And that was a how many year period? So I was 11 when that happened, about to turn 12. The last court date I had was I was 17. Early, I just turned 17. So six so like years five, of six your life. Wow. Oh, yeah. And those are the years that are the most transformative. Yeah. And like where you're trying to discover who you are mm-hmm. and like you're, yeah, like, wow. Yeah. And during that time, I mean, I had a rebel, you know, a rebel year. You know, I don't remember how the anorexia stopped. Mm-hmm. I just remember I started eating. Yeah. What age were you then, do you think? I was just got into ninth 10th 10th grade okay 10th grade sophomore year Mm -hmm. and i transferred to a new school so that could have been part of it Mm. you know um but yeah uh sophomore year i got to a new school and so why'd you transfer to a new school um i was getting in a lot of fights at okay the school i was prior you know i was angry i was honestly a bully you know Mm. that Years later, I can actually admit that I was just so mean to people. Mm. And I think I was just so unhappy with myself. And, um, you know, I honestly, I was the only white kid in my school, too. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was hard. You know, I just hated getting picked apart. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went to a charter school that was mostly all mixes of people. Mm-hmm. So I fit right in. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I definitely made friends with the wrong group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I started smoking, vaping. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't. I never got big into weed. Yeah, I hated it. Honestly, it scared me. <laughs> but I loved alcohol. You know, mm-hmm. I I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I liked alcohol. I liked the attention I would get from alcohol. Yeah. So how old were you when you started to drink? Uh, seventeen. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because on my seventeenth birthday, my best friend bought me my first bottle of vodka wow and uh yeah i was so happy (laughs) i just remember that and um we drank the half the bottle and the rest went into my closet and i was hiding it from my parents wow so so at this time so you you had uh, there's a couple different trials is that yeah um like i said i never got justice you know the first trial uh was unsuccessful you know they just couldn't come to a verdict did you testify in the first trial uh, yeah i testified in all of them you did all of and them. there was there was three trials yeah and these trials were not short trials they lasted about you know four days okay so the first trial was he was was he convicted guilty or not guilty there was no verdict there's no verdict so as a hung jury that means uh, yep. the jury couldn't come to a decision mm-hmm. How did that make you feel? Like you get up on the stand, you pour your guts right. out, and they they like half, like six out of the twelve or whatever it was. Especially as a child. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at that time, I don't remember. Mm. Like I just really don't remember what state of mind I was in. Sure. Sure. I mean, I could assume angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Hurt. So the, then the next trial came back as. So the next trial came back, and we got a guilty. Which okay. was 
amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I thought I got my justice. We stopped talking about it for a couple months. And then it was a year later. I remember a year later. And um, that man was placed in prison for a year. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was exactly like a year later. And we got an email. And it was like, we need to come testify again. There's new evidence from his side. And (laughs) I kind of remember me and my mom breaking down together. And we were like, wow, like this is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so once again, new lawyers, new attorneys, new case. Oh my goodness. Go back in there, testify again. We, I remember uh, both my friend's family, my family, we both said we did it once, we could do it again. Mm-hmm. And we got there, not guilty. <sighs> so it's like, wow, it took like, a turn. All this all again for right? what? So it's like we've gone through three different trials, three different answers each time. It's like, when does it end? Mm. Right. And that night, that day, you know, they spent three hours, the jury, in just discussion. And they said we had a verdict. I was like, guilty, not guilty. Wow. (laughs) And I was immediately pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just I was, oh, my gosh. Wow. You know, and me being in that rebel stage that I was, I remember I was waiting for him to come out of the courtroom and I was gonna cuss him out (laughs) you know I was gonna I wanted to hit him Mm -hmm. you know and I think his family knew that because when he came out there was security guards all around him you know and um you know we just went straight to you know I think all of us were just so heartbroken with the decision Mm -hmm. you know we try to do everything in our power to get the word out about this man and uh, for me I remember I got in my car that night and I was driving so fast, playing hardcore music. And I just remember thinking, if I drive off this highway right now, mm-hmm. off this bridge, that could be it. You know, wow. I was so serious. You know, um, yeah, I don't think I've ever been so serious about suicide than I was at that moment. Um, I went to my grandparents' house, the pastors, and they just hugged me and Mm -hmm. you know i was just over it Mm -hmm. and i think i got in a very deep depression there um yeah i just it was just the fact that i never got my justice i got my justice Mm -hmm. for a year but i'm doing this dealing with this for six years you know what i mean yeah like yeah it was just awful so you know the things that you're describing now is not the Austin that we all know. Yeah, today yeah. <laughs> I can so, testify to that. <laughs> the one million percent. And so you know, what was the road like? What 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 happened that that began to change? Yeah. Um, so after that second trial, where I got a guilty, mm-hmm. where I thought I could finally move on with my life, I did. You know, I took full advantage of that. And, you know, I went to some summer camps, Mm -hmm. you know, with my youth group. And, you know, this one summer camp I went to, I just gave all, (laughs) I I think, what I knew of. Yeah. You know, I didn't know what the power of the Holy Spirit was. And, um, you know, I got went up to a man randomly and I was like, I need prayer for Mm -hmm. same sex attraction, you know, and. You know, me thinking he, he was going to laugh at me and, you know, judge me for it. 
he was like, wow, like I struggled with the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And that was, he prayed for me. And I don't want to say some magical gold dust fell on me <laughs> and everything was perfect, but that's what I felt. Like something honestly switched as mm. soon as he said amen. Wow. And, um, you know, that's not the case for everybody. Sure. You know, and I remember walking and I was like, did something happen? You know, I feel different mm-hmm. and I worshiped. And then, you know, the next day I woke up and I looked at myself in the mirror and I had kind of long hair mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm shaving my head. <laughs> I was like, I want to go home and shave my head, you know, and you know, we were youth pastors for 13 years, <laughs> and we went to a lot of camps, and we would literally see kids that were physically, radically touched, yeah. mm-hmm. and do some of the things, like you would you walk in the bathroom, and there's some dude, like, <laughs> you don't know how many times we've seen, like, shaving his head yeah. in the bathroom, yeah. going, oh, okay. Sounds like a prophetic act. It, it really day, is. Like, <laughs> it's like, I want people on the outside something. to see, or I want people on the outside to see what God did, yeah. did to me on yeah. the inside. And I think that's actually really a healthy thing. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like, I think that really helps because there's that accountability, but there's that, like, this is what God has done. Yeah. Um, and it was beautiful. When I got home, me and my dad actually had a moment where I actually called him mm-hmm. and I explained to him what I just went through. And I would never do that. Wow. <laughs> you know, I wow. would absolutely never in a million years tell my dad that I was struggling with same-sex attraction and God healed me from it. Oh, that's huge. You know, it was unbelievable. And so he ended up picking me up and taking me shopping. Mm -hmm. Again, that's something I like to do. Right. (laughs) That's not something my dad likes to do. Wow. And uh, my dad helped me pick out some clothes and I shaved my head and I was looking like a new man. (laughs) 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 Um, I think... uh, like my story and your story, there's some similarities in that. Uh, I think something that happened to you, even something that happened to me, is when you, they give you permission to express yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, I can finally uh, express myself yeah, instead exactly. of stuffing so stuff good. down. Yeah. So yeah, it's when you do that, it's it's crazy how you realize, oh, I actually have permission <laughs> to be me. Yeah. You know, and it's beautiful when, especially when God introduces mm-hmm. your you to you, like mm-hmm. your true identity, and you have permission to express yourself. In yeah. That shift a lot of things in you that's powerful you know and i knew it was real because i would sh- i shared it in front of my church mm-hmm. you know like and these are people that know you know these your are family people all know your, me. Yeah. yeah so wow. did you share that that hey i have oh, yeah. this, this same sex with that oh, yeah. and how do they respond to that <laughs> i wish i could tell you i don't know but there wasn't like a collective gasp or I mean anything no, like that. No, it, it was wasn't like no a, like dramatic yeah. thing. I think there was tears. Mm. I kind of do remember people's tears. Mm-hmm. But still to this day, it's like it's not really talked about. Yeah. You know, it's just something that I went through and the Lord healed me from it. Yeah. You know, and But it's something that needs to be like yeah. I, and I don't think and this is and this is part of the show is like we really need to and actually, you know, we've talked about this a couple different yeah. times and like is that all they talk about? No, we are interviewing people that are everyday things like this is so real mm-hmm. in this generation and the generations coming up. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got to start celebrating this when mm-hmm. people come out mm-hmm. and start sharing these stories is that yeah. that just because a label is slapped on you and or just because to yeah. Yeah, yeah it doesn't mean that you have to continue to identify with this mm-hmm. because god really does have a bigger purpose and a bigger plan mm-hmm. if yeah. we're willing to walk through healing mm-hmm. yeah and you exemplify that dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. you really do you, you stuck with it man um even though i had this encounter with the holy spirit um i still struggled 
you know, it wasn't like a switch. Mm -hmm. It felt like it was going to be. But, yeah, you know, yeah. healing is not easy. You it's come off that camp high, and like everything's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, we're gonna change the world. Everything's <laughs> yeah. awesome, and then you get back to real life. Yeah, yeah. healing is a difficult process, mm -hmm. you know. And um, you know, I struggled, you know, with some sexual identity. Still, I just try to rebuke temptation and do the best I could. Well, some of it is just retraining your brain. Like you yeah. believe this lie for so long yeah. and you have to quit. Like it's, it's, it's like not so much about God waving a magic wand and everything is better, but you have to kind of, you have to do your part yeah. to rebuke yeah. and to, to stop believing because the enemy mm -hmm. will continue to come in with that same lie over and over and yeah. over again. And you know, the only way to, to kill that is to like, when we believe a lie, we empower the enemy. Yeah. And, and so it's us saying no to that. Yeah, we behave according to our beliefs. So mm -hmm. we've yeah. got to change our belief system and exactly. stay true to it. I think yeah. it's it's like like um, if let's say I'm uh, it's like you have an apartment and you live there. Every time you go there, it's like sometimes your mind doesn't think. You just sometimes when you're on your way to your house, you just right. end up there. And then you move. You have to retrain your brain. Yes. To the new location. Yep. Renewing your, your mind. Yeah. yeah. That's oh, that's even in the Bible. <laughs> Good job, Jamie. <laughs> Anyway, so you're in the process of renewing your mind, but it's not yeah. going perfect yet. <laughs> oh, does it ever? No. <laughs> Probably not. Um, for a while, it was pretty good. Yeah. For a while, I did really good. And like I said, that was in summer. You know, mm -hmm. once I got back into school, it was hard. Mm -hmm. You know, I got, I, the Lord really tests me with reality, you know, of living in freedom and reality. And I think that's mm -hmm. something... Every anyone with any type of healing goes through that once you get into a public place of people who are not Christians and who are not, you know, who don't know the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. I think that's hard for anybody to keep that high of the Holy Spirit yeah. up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah, I was met with reality, you sure. know, it hit me like a bus, you know. Um, I was looking for a girlfriend at first, you know, and uh. I didn't find one, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think being a 17 year old boy, I still had hormones, you know, sure. I of course had things that I wanted, you know, and surprisingly sex wasn't one of them. I did not want sex. My purity was always very, very important to me. Mm -hmm. hmm. The fact that it's a gift, my purity is a gift and yeah. that I'm saving it for my wife one day, you it's know, amazing. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I really take a lot of pride in that. Let, yeah. like, you should. Just my purity is yeah. just so important. And yeah. it's, you know, it's a gift. So sex was not part of my testimony. Yeah. But, you know, porn, honestly, it had an effect on my life, but it was not bigger than, you know, it just wasn't a huge part of my testimony. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm grateful to be able to say that. And um, I think instead of porn, it was more of, you know, sexting. You know, uh -huh. I I had a, yeah, I really, I didn't like porn. I thought it was gross. <laughs> I thought it was hard. I thought it was fake. Mm -hmm. I should just say, I thought it was fake. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, one of my, the biggest thing, I think, as far as sexual immorality and stuff like that goes, it was sexting and on like a Snapchat you know, and just sending nudes back and forth. Mm -hmm. That's where I found pleasure and sexual things of my testimony. Um, but of course, after it's over, I felt 
like a terrible person. I felt guilt because, mm-hmm. you know, I just used this person to meet my own needs, mm-hmm. you know, and I kind of just felt gross afterwards as well. Mm-hmm. Just that you like, I just did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's probably the purity that's was in me just kind of. I don't know. It's just well, it's the Holy Spirit bringing conviction, yeah, you yeah. know, and that's that's a lot of times we're like, well, that's just my conscience or whatever yeah. else. But, you know, the Holy Spirit brings conviction mm-hmm. and that's part of his job exactly. to bring us into a place of healing and wholeness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just a lot of lies from the enemy. I was believing like, mm-hmm. you know, that will go away. You just need to keep doing it so you can get used to it. Yeah. You know, yeah, so. you were getting a temporary re- release or yeah. yeah, relief from something, but it wasn't lasting. Yeah. It wasn't. No, yeah. we've talked about this when it, whether it's it's porn or alcohol or drugs. Right. Those right. are never the problem. Everybody yeah. turns mm-hmm. to something different. It's a coping sure. mechanism yeah. mm-hmm. and you're coping for this emptiness that you're feeling inside. Yeah. Yeah. The pain yeah. and all the things. Yeah. I want to say something that um even uh the what you were experiencing after the encounter that did not cancel the the encounter. Sometimes we tend to think, "Oh, I had this big encounter and then you go back to you struggle along the way yeah that does not negate the encounter no. that we have with that's the a Lord. good point good yeah point. Yeah. yeah 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 for sure and so you're, you're keep um yeah so uh at this point um you know even though i'm just struggling still i was actually doing pretty well yeah you know besides like you know all of that stuff that i mentioned um i got pretty involved with my church um i was now on the main worship team for church and um you know my brother actually came to bethel for bssm mm. for a year and uh when he came back i saw the transformation in him wow. and wow. i was like wow like that's really beautiful and so um also i hated school so i knew i wasn't <laughs> gonna go to a college but you know two years like college was in two years i needed to start thinking about what i wanted to do uh-huh and um I absolutely loved singing at my church, loved, you know, just the, the stage and, you know, all the things that you're not supposed to love about (laughs) being on a worship team. I loved, you know what I mean? And, um, but I did love receiving or feeling the Holy Spirit's presence. Like it was just, I, it was, it's addicting. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, so I told my mom when my brother got back, I was like, I want to do Bethel. <laughs> I want to do BSSM. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I just kind of made that like a... Now, BSSM is the Bethel, Bethel School Supernatural yes. Ministry. Yes. That's the school that all of us are, mm-hmm. are a part of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In case you're just popping in, this is your first <laughs> what, episode. What yeah. letters yeah. are they rattling yeah. off? BSSM, what is, is that? Is it a cult? <laughs> yeah. No. No, 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 it's not a cult. <laughs> I can promise you that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... Um, you know, my uh, COVID happened and all that. Uh, my, yeah. That was my junior year of high school. Okay. Um, I completely failed. Yeah. My, uh, I didn't fail. I didn't do good in my junior year online. Mm. So my senior year, I was behind. Mm. And, um, you know, I also realized some of the breakthrough that I've just gotten from worship and breakthrough that I've gotten during COVID, you mm-hmm. know, involved with church and with my family and stuff. Um my first day back i was about to get there was some drama going around in the school the first day back and i was about to get in a little fight a little scuffle and um instead of doing that i made the decision to drop out of high school Mm -hmm. my senior year so um i totally dropped out my senior year Mm -hmm. and that some people were like that's such a dumb decision but it's like is it because after i dropped out i was working every day full time Mm -hmm. and i was just making money and um uh, 
I got, you know, kept getting involved with churches and stuff. I applied for BSSM mm-hmm. and I got accepted. Um, yay. <laughs> yes. I was, you met all of us. Yeah. And your life was totally yeah. transformed. <laughs> so, you know, I think during that time of like working and being away from school and my friends, I had some great connection with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, as much as I knew, at least, you know, I had some really deep worship moments, some good times with my family, with my dad and my mom. And, um, you know, there's still some past traumas, past hurt that I was dealing with. But um, I didn't know all of that. I thought it was normal, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as as much as I say I was doing good, I was so broken still. And mm-hmm. I had no idea, mm-hmm. you know. So nine months later i pack everything i own and i move to redding california yeah wow <laughs> and um yeah i didn't know what to expect what were those first weeks of of school like for you they were miserable <laughs> weren't they awful <laughs> <laughs> they everyone's were. experience is different let's, okay, let, let's, let's quantify they were yes. beautifully they, miserable I, I, like, I was doing great i was dead <laughs> yeah no yeah yeah 50 percent of us hated but you know you know but it, for, yeah it was kind of a ringing out process it was for mm-hmm. sure it was like let's bring because what it does is it at least this was my experience and i think ours was similar it's like let's bring all this hurt all uh-huh. this pain all this trauma yeah. and let's just bring it to the surface yeah and start figuring out where to put it i felt like a wet sponge yeah and that they were <laughs> ringing. ringing me out and then they accidentally dropped me into the water again oh. and doing it again, <laughs> Do it again. You know, I was like, that's funny it's never ending yeah. but um i think that's why we kind of connected it's like we just like lived in misery for that first yeah. really couple months of just yeah. non-stop ringing out yeah but it's so good yeah so when i first got here i met my pastor tracy yeah and um i remember the first time i met him he turned around with this huge smile on his face (laughs) and he had his arms out and in my head i'm like you're not wanting a hug are you (laughs) (laughs) you know despite being my goofy personality i'm super introverted Uh and i'm super to myself and that tied back in with my dad that my dad would never in a million years hug me the way this man hugged me in this tight loving way you know kissing my cheek <laughs> and uh-huh. i was like you're holding you for five minutes I, yeah it's like are we done you like do, you do that pat like yeah. you're like i'm done are we are we but he's like nah. yeah. <laughs> my mom was there with me at registration i looked at her i was like get what? this man off oh. me <laughs> Not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. It was totally all me. I remember when we, you were in our little coffee group that, because there were some coffee connections. I think there were four groups of us so that we could get to know Tracy in some of the team a little better. And I I do remember that you had a hard time making eye contact with him. And that was our, that was a big thing. Were you in that group too? No, I was not. No, that that was, that was Tracy. And he would just stare at you. The Tracy stare. Tracy told me one time, he says, Cause every time you would talk to me and that was the thing with men, mm-hmm. I had a big fear of men, mm-hmm. you know, just from being assaulted, you know, having a hard time with my dad, you know, having the same sex attraction. I hated looking in men's eyes mm. and it was so hard for me, you know, even with men in my own family, my brothers, yeah. my grandpas and understandably so. Yeah. yeah. And so here's this guy I've never met before staring into my soul, <laughs> you know, in the most loving way possible. Yeah. 
I didn't know how to accept that. Yeah. And he told me one day, he said, I look at, he says, I believe the eyes are the doors to your soul. soul. Yeah. And I was like, (laughs) that's scary. (laughs) But, um, you know, I kind of, you know, just like it reminded me when I was anorexic of how far I can get. Mm. I challenged myself as how far can I get of looking with this man in his eyes? Wow. You know, knowing that there's nothing but love that he wants to give me. For mm-hmm. sure. So I challenged myself wow. as awkward wow. as it was. Yeah. And as much as I hated it, I did challenge myself. And, you know, it started off as like when he's talking to all of us, just looking at him in his eyes. Oh, my goodness. To one-on-one conversations of just like making eye contact. Yeah. And so... Yeah, he just was honestly the best part of BSSM. Yeah. You know, just walking me through every step of the moment. I never felt like I was excluded from anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I just felt loved and covered the whole time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the reason why uh, I kept going to BSSM Mm -hmm. is because I had a good father figure like tracy walking me through life Mm -hmm. but when we came to christmas break and we got home i went all the way back to new mexico there was parts where i didn't have tracy you know i didn't have my friends and there was part of me that's like i'm not going back Mm -hmm. you know and i think you know you both know this that like Caleb told me before I left, he was like, I have a feeling you're going to try to not come back. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was like, no, I'm coming back. Deep down in my heart, I'm thinking, okay, I packed a lot of clothes. <laughs> for me, I met Austin, the first time I met Austin, I knew. I was like, uh-oh, this is going to be good. But uh, And also, the thing is, I had the, the privilege of being his small group leader and we i pretty much know oh. a lot more about austin sure and i knew I, when he went for christmas i was like uh-uh, this is gonna be a challenge <sighs> yeah this is gonna be a challenge and i kept like i would call him time to time i was like hey you coming back right <laughs> 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 you're coming back right and you did come back and it was so funny because while i was there my flight to reading kept getting delayed really <laughs> don't you remember that that tracy uh put in the group chat like after school has already started and i was still in new mexico oh, that's oh, right. yeah. <laughs> he was like i don't know where austin is <laughs> stuck in oh my god you know and so i think that scared a lot of people that i wasn't yeah. coming come back. back austin come back and but, so no i came back and um just the things that i experienced in bssm mm-hmm. were one like no other um yeah it was absolutely hard but I would do it over again mm-hmm. 10 more times, you know, just with the leaders that we had and the friendships that we have and all that, mm-hmm. you know, especially Chris. I remember there was this one moment, you, Chris, <laughs> <laughs> I remember there was this one moment where I was really struggling and I was just like, Lord, like, why are you putting this on me? Like, I don't know if I can handle it. And I know you're not going to give me something that I can't handle, but you know, I was just really going through it. Mm. And Chris came and he hugged me. And it reminded me of my dad, like how, like, this is how my dad would hug me. And I was like, but this hug kept going. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and I know with you, you did not like long hugs. You're kind of like me. (laughs) (laughs) No, and that, I mean, that time, you know, it it was 
like I was trying not to be seen. I was trying not yeah. to be involved. But mm-hmm. like when I saw you, I just felt such a connection. And I remember there was one moment where the Lord actually had kind of given me this word. We're in the middle of worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like this is a season like early on where I'm not really hearing from the Lord. But I heard this. And I remember just coming over and just grabbing you. And I'm like, I'm going to hug this kid until I feel like <laughs> <laughs> either he tries to squirm away. and But it really was kind of a Holy no. Spirit. It was a Holy Spirit moment yeah. for both of us. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, I, I, I can still hear God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I could, you know, because, you know, one of the things is that is is that you know i'm a dad yeah and and you know just walking in that and accepting that and then you got to be one of the early recipients you caleb and andrew which have all been on on the podcast they're kind of early recipients of that i mean and with that that was me learning to hear from the holy spirit Mm -hmm. you know i actually established a relationship with him like no other and um as hard as it was it was just so much breakthrough you know, breakthrough that I could actually see in myself. Yeah. And, um, you know, towards the end of the school year, my saw changes in my family. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this is good. Yeah. And um, I knew that this breakthrough wasn't only flowing through me, but it was, you know, it was like a bloodline. Like it was yeah. just going through wow. to my family, like my yeah. mom, my sister, who I'm extremely close with. You know, just some of the breakthroughs that I've seen in her own life mm-hmm. are just unbelievable. And you know, even after BSSM, it's first year, me and my dad's relationship has grown to an extent of love. You know, it's like, that's what our relationship is based on. Now. It's based off of a relationship of me loving my dad and my dad loving me. It's not based off wrestling or football, mm. or, wow, you know, beautiful. something that it's something that we both have for each other, which is love. Wow. So our relationship yeah. is just so strong. And, um, you know, Chris gave me Pastor Chris gave me a word towards the end of the year. And that word was just, it was my, you know, in the word, he said, you're going to use this word as a sword. Mm. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did. Chris Valentin. Valentin. Yeah. yeah. No, not, not me. Not me. <laughs> no. The other, the other, the other Chris, Chris in our environment. Yeah. But one of the other pastors here, yeah. actually, did he call you? He called you out <laughs> in the middle. Like we're sitting there, and all of a sudden he just calls. Says, "Hey, you, yeah. Austin, he didn't stand up." Out of all these people, in the yeah, I yeah. was pissed. Yeah, <laughs> of course you were. <laughs> you know, he gave me that word, and you know, some of the stuff that I mentioned today is just stuff that he told me. You know, that purity was something that the Lord has given to me, and it was very important to me and him. So he's like, "That was a gift from the Lord." Mm-hmm. Like he's not. That's just not something to give away. Right. And mm-hmm. that's so true. Like, you know, as much as my purity meant to me, there was times I tried to lose my virginity, but something always happened where it was like, you're not like the Lord literally said no, mm-hmm. you know, and just my heart for worship and stuff. When I got back home, it would just grew to wow. an extent of, mm-hmm. wow, like I'm worshiping face down on, you know, yeah. I'm giving everything I am each worship session, you know, wow. um, just every time I felt like the enemy was trying to come after me, I would use this word and just, mm-hmm. you know, slay it. <laughs> That's what's so beautiful about the prophetic word yes. that like it, it carries such a grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you take the responsibility of stewarding that word over your life. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. Like, 
Yeah. And then it is our responsibility to steward it, though. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just because, and this is where a lot of people, I got a prophetic word that never came to pass and never came true. And sometimes we get bad prophetic words Mm -hmm. and that happens and you just, you (laughs) know, flush it, flush it, (laughs) just just let it go. But you do have a responsibility to to walk that that out. Yeah, walk it out. And I think if there's anything with, with you, Austin, is that you are an example of a person that has gone through tragedy. Mm-hmm. Like God didn't cause any yeah. of those things, but he's going to use that. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that you carry in, uh, you know, you're a young guy, you're not married, but you are a father. Not married yet. <laughs> not married yet, not you know. Yet. Not, it's not, coming. It's yeah. coming. Yeah. <laughs> yes, ladies, he is as of this date. <laughs> he's so single. He's still single. And uh, if you get in touch with us, you know, no. <laughs> let's make a match. Um, but you you are a father. Like mm-hmm. you carry that and you carry that, that love and that mm-hmm. love for people. Mm-hmm. And as you experience freedom, that just shows more and more, you yeah. know, you know, one thing I've said forever is that, that you know, what you've gone through is what you're called to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, you carry such an authority now in that yeah. area that is going to break chains in <laughs> other people's uh, lives that you uh, are surrounded by. Yeah. And I've, I've seen that. I remember hearing his story the first time before he shared it publicly in RG uh, in Revival Group. Uh, he he was, that day when we were sharing his, our stories, he was so nervous. And I kept pushing it. I was like, if you don't share. I'm, oh, yeah. <laughs> was that kept, a retreat? Yeah, yeah. I kept going after him. I was like, share, share, share. And then he shared it. And he was nervous. And seeing him sharing his story today and like he's had beautiful exchange along the year. Wow. Every time it was hard, he will give it to the Lord, and mm-hmm. there was an exchange every time. Yeah. Yeah. And the Austin that came September twenty twenty two is different than the Austin that's sitting September twenty three. Come on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, I just recognize my own growth that I'm able to tell my story now mm-hmm. without breaking out yeah, in tears and stuff huge. like that. And the confidence that mm-hmm. you carry yeah. now. Yeah. And this is what's important is like because sometimes people will you know there's a difference between cockiness and confidence oh, yeah. yeah and like you like if you're listening goes well he sounds no austin <laughs> walks in confidence yeah no more and, shame yeah no the more. shame is yeah. gone this is a brand new guy mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we're gonna we're gonna wrap things yeah. up and so but i want to have you i want you to speak to that person that that like if you could talk to you when you're in the midst of all these things either the 11 year old you or when you're going through all this stuff what would you say to them? Yeah, I mean, let God into your situation, mm-hmm. you know, just a thousand percent. And, you know, let your friends and family, the people that you're close with, speak into your life. Because if it wasn't for the people that I was close with, the people that wanted to love me, I would still be that broken guy who was angry at the world and angry at God, you know. And just let the Lord make beauty out of ashes for you. You know what I mean? Let the, let God into your situation. And you know, if you don't know God like that, just ask, Yeah, ask him like, you know, if you don't have a relationship with him, just take a risk and ask him, can you please show me this way? Mm -hmm. Can you show me how to get out of this situation? And you know, it might not come tomorrow. It might not come the next week. It might take a few years, but it's coming. You know, and breakthrough is just around the corner. And, you know, you just need to be strong. 
you need to be confident, mm. you know, just confident in yourself that you can do it. And my, I always did this. You can't have a testimony without a test. Wow. So, <laughs> so good. You know, let's pass that test <laughs> <laughs> and look for it with expectancy. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, and yes. Hope. Yeah. Yes, hope. Yep. Don't put a limit to what God can do. Wow. That's right. And I think you're a living example of <laughs> that where, you know, you sh- like people have given up that have gone through way less. Yeah. yeah. And you've walked through things and now you're going to use that as a tool. Mm-hmm. Like that sword that you carry is even bigger because the authority that you walk in mm-hmm. and you're going to set people free. Yeah. Thank you. There's power. <laughs> well, thank you guys, Caleb. Thanks for good. hanging out. Yeah. Of course, my wife, thank you for hanging out with yes. me. It's just a pleasure, I know. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> it is. All right, until next time, just want to say thank you. And remember, you're not alone. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share with your friends. And follow us on social media. And never forget, you're not alone.